Coming out of last week's discussion, I kept thinking, um, you know, about this idea of poetry being available and possibly useful to everyone. Um, you know, I think a lot of it was thinking in terms of reading, um, but I kept the question this week kept popping up to me. Uh, uh, can anyone write a poem or I guess, should anyone write a poem? And I say, absolutely. Yes. Um, and they should. And, you know, I think it goes back to what I was talking about that William Carlos Williams quote about, I'm paraphrasing here, but you know, um, you can't get the news from poetry, but, uh, you know, men die every day. Or folks die every day from uh, from lack of what is found there, um, and I think I think the same can be applied to the writing of poetry. Um, we uh, there's a lack of inner attention and um, processing an internal coherence, uh, incoherence, and I think writing poetry uh, can flex those muscles and can move through some of that internal uh, busyness uh, and that tenacity of thought in a way that can, in some ways, can be productive and can be grounding and can move the thought processes forward. You know, um, of my past life, especially in Austin, one of the things I miss the most is teaching poetry. I spent many years uh, working for an organization called Badger Dog, teaching a, under, or a, teaching, uh, a summer camp for kids, a creative writing summer camp for kids. I taught the third and fourth graders, and we had a blast um, writing very um, energetic and very strange uh, and playful poems. Uh, among other kinds of writing, um, I taught uh, through the library, through that same program, I taught some adult workshops uh, for folks in the community, some folks who were active poets, some folks just interested in poetry, um, and then I did some other uh, little things, workshops here and there. Um, but I, I've seen, for, so the point is, I've seen firsthand the magic of writing a poem. I've seen the joy on the face of the third grader writing their first poem. I've seen um, the relief on uh, in the body of an adult working through something in a poem. I've seen um, the glimmer in the eyes of folks who said something they didn't know they could say or they didn't know that was in them and the surprise there. Um, so, but, you know, I, I always, people act like, or people have this misunderstanding that poetry is this difficult thing, is this puzzle to unwind, is this puzzle to create, um, for other people, and it, I don't, I, I see it as, you have a starting point, you have some, it could be an image, an idea, um, a feeling, an experience, and then the important thing is a willingness to follow the mind um, as that unfurls from that starting point. So I thought today I'd mix it up a little bit and lead a little exercise. Um, and if you'd like to write a poem, you could write a poem now. Um, 
So I I always when I I always started my workshops uh reading from Joe Brainerd's I remember Joe Brainerd was a a poet involved a poet and a painter involved in the New York school uh in the mid 20th century um and you know yeah he was primarily a painter but he wrote this really important book called I remember and it's a very simple approach to um you know whether or not it's poetry that's up for debate but it's a it's a very simple approach to uh collecting memory and collecting uh kind of the furniture of the mind as Spicer would say and so uh yeah and so there's this you know he's got this like 150 page book and it's just these I remembers I remember this I remember that over and they build in this really uh wonderful way um and I've always just seen it as a really important place to start um in in getting that first starting point and figuring some of those out so I was just going to read a page or so of these I from Brainerd's I remember and this was one of the pages that I always read when I taught so you can just listen and think about maybe things that you relate to um, you can think about uh, memories that maybe these drive up for you, um, and uh, and you can also just think about the person and the experience of the person who cre- created um, these words. I remember when one year in Tulsa, by some freak of nature, we were invaded by millions of grasshoppers for about three or four days. I remember downtown whole sidewalk areas of solid grasshoppers. I remember a shoe store with a big brown x-ray machine that showed up the bones in your feet bright green. I remember the Goodyear tire foot with wings and the flying horse. I remember that watermelon is 99% water. I remember posture pictures being taken at school and being told that I had a really bad posture. And that was that. I remember fire insurance ads of homeless families all wrapped up in blankets. I remember little black and white Scotty dogs, plastic, each with a magnet on the bottom. I can't remember exactly what they did, though. I remember prophylactic machines in gas station bathrooms. I remember that a used prophylactic was found one morning by the principal laying in the outstretched hand of the Great Spirit. A big bronze sculpture of an Indian on a horse looking up at the sky. That was in high school. Or maybe it was a used Kotex. I remember talk about one drugstore that was easy to get them at. So yeah, you can see the association, you know, there at the end of prophylactic. But you can see some of the ones that just jump, um, you know, from the school uh, posture pictures to fire insurance ads. Um, he's really just letting out the contents of the mind. And so that's what, um, I, I want to encourage you to do is take 10 minutes, set a timer. Um, I'm not going to pause for 10 minutes on this, but pause this, set a timer for 10 minutes and just let them flow. Don't judge or separate, um, and allow misremembering, allow re-remembering, uh, recovering memories, um, allow dismembering of memories, 
Um, if they're partial, that's fine. Everything is fine. Um, but the the idea is to get out as many of these as you can and just start with that. You got your first two words, I remember, and let it flow. Um, so yeah, so take some time, take 10 minutes and do that and get out as many as you can. All right, and so now we'll take, pick one of those. Think, go through your list and find the one that seems the most intriguing, the one that um, seems the most expansive uh, and full of possibility. And pick that one as your starting point. That'll be your first line when we get to writing the poem. And now we're going to take an, five minutes or ten if you need it. Um, and we're going to list words and phrases, um, sensory things, images, strong verbs, people, anything that's related to that I remember that you chose. And again, we're going to focus on the flow of it. We're not judging. We're not separating. We're not worrying. We're just writing. And so now take five, to five minutes, set a timer, and just list words and phrases related to that I remember. And now you'll have that list. And you can circle five to ten of the most intriguing words and phrases in that list. The ones that seem to pop the most. The ones that seem the most surprising. The ones that seem the most colorful. Um, and and now we're ready to write a poem. Um, we have uh, many of the pieces to reconfigure to make this poem. So now you take that I remember and that's your first line. And then you're trying to use as many off that list that you can. The five to ten you circled or even more if you need it. Um, and this is the part where people start to panic. They have the pieces but they don't know how to make the poem. And I say don't worry about what makes it a poem. You enacting it makes it a poem. Um... Let the poetic tools come naturally. The line breaks, the wordplay. Um, if you want to rhyme, if you want to put it in a form, that's fine. But again, this there should be no stress to the structure. Um, it's think of it as a as playing, um, as seeing what happens. Um, it's not following a recipe. It's inventing a recipe out of nothing. Um, we've collected some of the ingredients in our cupboard. Um, and we've thought about something of a dish we'd like to create. But now it's time to play in the kitchen of poetry. And so take your time and just let it, again, focus on the flow Um Give into that willingness to follow the mind from that I remember through your list and connect and using what you need and adding things that you that are coming to your mind now um, to make your poem. And then it's always helpful to have a title. And I say go back to your list and find a phrase, find 
a word, find an image, or look in the poem itself and find a phrase find that seems to umbrella it. Not that it needs to describe it or explain the poem, but that it's the umbrella under which the poem uh, is standing. And then, if you want, you can send me your poem. Uh, you can send it to gobble.tyler at gmail.com. My inbox is always open. Um, and, and I'm always happy to receive whatever you'd like to send me. Um, but I hope, I hope you follow this, pause this as you need it, because there you go, you wrote a poem, and nothing bad has happened, and at the very least, the world is a smidge better, because you wrote a poem. And, and that's the, that's the thing, is poetry, the writing of poetry is only additive to the world. And I'm very grateful for that. Um, yeah, so thank you uh, for doing that, for listening. And, and now I will talk a little about the poems themselves. Uh, let's see, how many am I, am I reading? Six today, I believe, uh, yes. Six today. Um, the first poem is called "Be a Shaman," um, and uh, you know the poem explains itself pretty well. Um, but you know, for a while, as we were struggling to grasp and to manage my mental illness when I was misdiagnosed and mistreated, um, my wife, my ex-wife, bless her heart. Um, always tried to put a positive spin to my madness. And so she was convinced for a while that I was um, a shaman born into a culture that didn't recognize shamans. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know. That's not my, that's not my area of expertise. Um, I, I'm learning more and more about those sorts of practices um, and very intrigued. Um, but so this is me thinking through that um kind of idea uh the next one is i said yes to the risk and it's kind of a trip of sorts um i i have uh found much use in psychedelics in mush in magic mushrooms in particular um as a means to recenter the self to open up the heart towards gratitude and and universal love, um, and also to the mind, and opening the mind to uh, patterns and associations that uh, consciousness sometimes limits. Um, but this poem is kind of a trip, yeah, like is a trip of sorts, um, modeled after some of uh, those thought processes. And, um, the next one is called Eight Years Ago, and, you know, I'm just really touched by people who are passionate and, and skillful, and when those two line up, um, and this poem nods to a lot of that, to Kenneth Koch, one of my favorite poets, to a guy named Victor Emanuel, who's a 
legendary birder in Texas who I got to go on a birding trip with to uh it ends with thinking about the Olympics um in a a funny little uh behind the scenes this poem originally ended um with uh Katie Ledecky uh the wonderful swimmer uh, who um yeah who my wife once caught me crying over as she was winning gold medal after gold medal in the Olympics um it originally ended with Katie Ledecky doing a uh, flip turn um but this ending just felt better um but I will always remember uh Katie Ledecky all right the next one's called Jack Rabbit's Kick Up um and it's probably one of the older poems in the book I wrote it on my honeymoon um out in West Texas um I guess that would have been in 2016 um and it's specifically about my dog Jenny Bug. I have a lot of poems, not just in this book, but also in in previous collections about Jenny. And this one uh, was about yeah her playing in the West Texas dust. Um the the next poem is an awareness of the self as this. Um, on my uh, Bumble dating app, um, I describe myself as an enthusiastic mindfulness noob and this I think was the beginning of that um enthusiasm and that exploration of mindfulness um in my poetry and then the last one is called rising a smidge and it's about a uh it's the you know I guess talking about the starting point was me learning about chimney sweep drones um and and about and it just kind of anything kind of new technology like that for some reason freaks me out um it might be part of my paranoia and my hallucinations it also might be that I'm a little bit of a luddite um I don't know but so that this poem is playing with that idea and spawn, uh spawned off of that all right I hope you wrote a poem and I hope you're ready to listen to some poems. Be a shaman. One. My wife suggests I might be a shaman, though I am covered in white baking flour at 4 a.m. on a Tuesday in this grand field of America. Last night, I did dream of severed limbs hidden in the young rows of corn planted this year by whoever my grandfather hired. I've been angry at him and thus prone to stripping nude, caking my bloated belly in his mud, an exercise that becomes exhausting, a fresh delusion that leads me to climb to the roof. The mud causes my hands to slip. I spent all morning no more believing myself a shaman or much of a husband for that matter. Instead, I write two ideas for movies she can expand and then offer scones. Two, there is a man who feels destined to lead a group, what we'd call a cult, but he names simply a group, wasting much mental energy to distract himself from admitting to himself it is, in fact, 
a cult he wishes to lead. The thing is, he just doesn't have what it takes. The charisma, the subtle good looks, an IQ of exactly 104. The movie follows his journey, which turns out to be more of an anti-journey. Him dictating his doctrine that never gets its final period. Him proselytizing on the street the unlucky days he so chooses. For example, the day of the release of the new iPhone, a terrible fog keeps most people off the streets, and even when someone passes, he blends in with his off-gray robe. A bomb threat here, a near plague there, it's actually the exact thing he's warning people about. But like I said, he just doesn't have what it takes to make them hear, let alone listen to what he has to offer. 3. There is a woman who early in her life, say whatever is 8 years younger than when the average young lady gets married the year this movie gets filmed, she gets married to her first boyfriend, probably an average looking, average intellect white guy named Tim. Tim, for the most part, is a great dude. He cleans the whole house every Tuesday. He plays baseball with his kid brother. He sings the cutest notes on the foggy mirror in the bathroom after a shower. He volunteers and does not steal. Problem is, his occasional anger problem, bouts of psychosis, and tendency towards devastating mood swings reveal themselves to be the add-ins to the sum of bipolar disorder. Still, she just can't bear to leave him, so she starts a second family. New neurotypical husband, two kids, same old job, an off-blue house. She flourishes in all manners of life, professionally getting asked to be partner before she hits the fourth decade mark, personally with a wide range of hilarious and caring friends, spiritually guiding herself to a better understanding of her place in the world. Tim now lives in a cabin just outside of town and she visits every few days for lunch and even spends every other weekend there. We don't hear the lies she tells Tim or the other husband or the kids because that would ruin what is otherwise a touching movie. 4. This is my recipe for whole wheat raspberry scones. It will make exactly 9 scones. First, you do the whole preheat the oven, 425 degrees, and prepare the baking sheet, parchment paper, thing. Next, you whisk a cup of whole wheat flour and a cup of the regular with a tablespoon of baking powder and a quarter cup of sugar and a half teaspoon of salt. Chop six tablespoons of butter into tiny pieces and massage it into the flour mixture till it is coarse and mealy. Not much under the texture of an apple's bruise. Chop a cup of fresh raspberries or thawed frozen if you live in a food desert like the failed cult leader and stir them with what you have so far. Next, add in three-fourths of a cup of ricotta cheese or cottage cheese if you're on a limited budget like Tim and a third cup of heavy cream. Transfer the dough to a well-floured counter. Sprinkle some flour on the top of the dough and pat it into a 7-inch square about an inch thick. A large knife may now be introduced to cut the dough into nine even triangles. Plop the pre-scones onto the baking sheet. 
I had you prepare at the beginning of this poem. Bake the scones for about 15 minutes. You're looking for some lightly golden edges. I said yes to the risk. The canoe stood there, not yet carved from the tree. I said yes to the risk. A young boy learned hearts lived primarily in his skull. His aunt leapt on the windshield of his other aunt's gold car. Her hair, like spaghetti on a fork, twisted the wiper blades. She screamed, I'll pray for your soul. Who of us cares what time is on the clock? He had a long but unfinished discussion. If the word for throwing something was chucking or chunking, red delicious apples are for pies, not for lunch. The man, much older now, came in a van to remove the seesaw, the merry-go-round. He claims he was the Wrangler Jeans model before Brett Favre. I'm not done being a frog, the frog thinks over there. I'm not done being a dog, the dog thinks over there. Later, he told a story in first person. It should have been told in third person. In truth, he wasn't even there when the kid holding the side mirror, skating on the ice, he fell. The back tire rolled over his leg, broken icicle. The rooster in his mind says, little shits, you do your thing, and then got what you had coming. An image from his trip to Yakutsk, Russia, where they arrange cold fish into nice bouquets. I sit, a lunatic on my own mushy blanket, writing about a lunatic sitting on a mushy blanket as the backyard thaws. Eight years ago. Likely as it got dissolved. Eight years ago, roots freshly cut, my next poem might have harnessed a decent amount of inward spiral, much like Kenneth Koch's The Circus. Mine, however, harkening back to my first poem of a rooster in the flower bed. Image obsession blossomed beyond its emotional baggage, stretching beyond such base lyrical tentacles. That poem would share similarities with the essay I told Andy I'm writing last month, following our nature hike with the Burning King, one Victor Emmanuel. I promised myself I wouldn't touch my phone and forgot a pen, so trusted my brain. Never the sturdy cup to catch, to capture, to contain the facts fluttering below his mustache, like a hooded warbler in a cypress tree. I cannot quite guarantee this a bit of accuracy. Does he have a mustache? Did we spot a warbler so particular? I do remember a single thought. Can't believe this is a relative of the pineapple. A quip quacked as Victor held the ball moss, cousin of the thick-skinned fruit. I once thought, I'm much like ball moss in your palm, but I'm not sure the relevance these days. Since then, I've eaten quail eggs and duck eggs, witnessed a baby doll foot gnarled by the charred mouth of a fellow grown man. Not me, now here in the middle of elsewhere. Since then, I wrote the phrase middle of nowhere out of existence. Come on. I refuse to say love is in my cells or my shadow is already disfigured, debunked.
No, my next poem envisions in my lifetime I'll behold a breakdancer, head slide straight into a gold medal in the Olympics, and yes, honestly, I'll cry. It is what I do. I weep when I watch what is truly good at impressive levels. Jack Rabbit's Kick Up. Six miles straight up. Zero cumulus clouds stretch like the dust. Jack Rabbit's Kick Up. Scampering off towards whatever fate might befall them. Tossed and spit by the tires of a truck. Tossed in chives and garlic and roasted on a spit. Tossed through the air like the ball and only child slings towards the sky. Playing catch by himself and with himself. It is covered in your spit. It was when I realized your hair doesn't grow, just sits there like chickweed in the desert behind the shack. I quit hunting other animals, chewing flesh, bounding with you, right through the goat horns after some loose goat with horns. I was squalling. A rock fell from my nose. An awareness of the self as this. The truth of self-consciousness, it is not an awareness of the self as this single self or any peculiarity summoned forth by that orb falsely labeled as you, but rather it is the hard distinction of being aware of being thus noticed by others as a you, living, breathing stripe of dream, capable of becoming covered in hives or polishing one's knives, sneaking some ice cream by the clock's glow. When the tussled angels, the mortified Martians, report to their supreme leader, whom they may or may not call God, what will they say of what was witnessed here on our patch of land? Woman reportedly flossing her bare feet, a kid appearing to be replaced by pigeons, man screaming in various phases, first giving curses to an object he rammed his toes against, Later, he swung his arms wildly beneath a cascading waterfall, indoors, totally nude, till finally nearly nude in the snow, head tilted back, shouting at the sky. Two dogs this whole time chased burrowed mice beneath the ice, taking time to piss on the Christmas tree stashed to the side. Rising a smidge. See, here it goes. Entering then, rising a smidge, turns on a dime. A fragment of ash flashes by. A sound, a smell, my damned tongue. It sticks out for a taste, a speck. They assure me this works wonders. They tell me they guarantee joy. I ask who is they, and they do not say. The chimney sweep drone sings its striations. My chimney learns a bit of self even itself forgot. My heart does a nervous flutter, skeptic in wolf's clothing. I'm no longer that kind of sheep. First, thank you for listening. Thank you to all my friends and family for the visits, phone calls, and correspondences for making sure I stayed alive to finish this manuscript, including, but certainly not limited to, 
Zach Sadie and the Hunter Boys, Josh Cayley and Violet Lee, Jess Council and her crew, Jason Arnold, Steph Pappy and the Arnold Boys, Tracer Towner and family, Clark Moser, Darren Eaton, Marie Ponce de Leon, Paz Pardo, Enrique Lozano, and Elias, Jonna Henry, and Charlie Martin, Cody Van Buskirk and family, Larry Nutt, Dan Keelish, the Murray family, Jamie Crawford, the Avant family, Jesse Bearden, Matt Spencer, Judd Ferris, Tim and Christina Durr, Gia Murata, Eric Matson, Hannah Margolin, Lacey Patterson, Heather Collier and family, Eric Clough, Lori Sauerborn, Brendan McLean, Melody and Marie Smith, Terry Tan, Morgan Jackman and family, the Tyner and Gobble families. Thank you to the artists that kept me churning during this process slash processing. State champion, Dean Young, Mary Rufel, Landon Caldwell, Anthony Ray Wright, Sarah Shook and the Disarmers, Pete Holmes, C.D. Wright, the Felice Brothers, Maria Bamford, Abraham Smith, Ada Lamone, Francis Picabia, Bill Burr, Will Alexander, Ross Gay, D.A. Powell, Phoebe Bridgers, David Berman, In the Face of War, David Blaine, David Bazan, the creators of King of the Hill, May May Bruce and Bruges, Lucy Brock Broido, John Ashbury, Kenneth Koch, and Frank O'Hara. Thanks to the folks who gave me places to go to be both myself and someone else. The Elwood Disc Golf Enthusiasts, the Anderson Disc Golf Club, Power Barn, the Waking Up app, all the guests and friends of the Future Barn podcast, Bill Simmons and the Ringer Network, and the Windmill Tavern. Thanks to any mental health professional that has held my wobbly head, both figuratively and literally, over these past decades especially Ruby Joe Walker. Thank you to my ancestors for the guidance and the gifts, including most recently Fred Tyner and Tony Gobble, and most historically significant Joanne Tyner and Ricky Gobble. Thank you also to my teachers for their guidance and their gifts, most recently Ram Das and Sam Harris, and most historically significant Todd McKinney, and Dean Young. Thank you to the most supportive and patient parents around, Jeff and Tammy Gobble, for accepting my many parts. Thank you to the light that's gone away, Diana Lynn Small, for the years of loving and the lessons of leaving. Thank you to the light that always stays, Jenny Bug, for being a badass dog. <laughs>